prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you. Each testimony, <coughs> each life that has been influenced by or been an influence for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for what you've given us here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Lord, reaching out to North Brooklyn and Union and uh, Lord, soon Morse Park and and already in the Fleshman's and Lord, just the uh, relationship you've given us with Brother Saravian, Iglesia Baptista International. Lord, we just want to say thank you for all your blessings in our lives and that we can be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. And uh, now, those in discipleship, just remember, uh, next Sunday night will be the last meeting of our missions conference, so we will not have discipleship next uh, Sunday night as well. And would, but just want to encourage you to review your memory verses and the questions and other things so that we can keep uh, moving there once we're able to get back together again. And uh, if you have missed lessons, please see me and we'll see if we can't get everybody caught up uh, by Sunday the 11th. Uh, what I'd like for us to do tonight... And, and I hope you do uh, understand uh, that when I preach, I'm trying to, of course, bring forth part of the uh, uh, a truth from God's Word, something we can have a handle on, something that we can ask God to change the way we daily live. But also, in preaching, part of it, a secondary thought, is teaching you how to study the Bible as well. Not just uh, having to depend on on the preaching here, but you need the preaching here. The Bible says that should be a center part of our growing relationship with Jesus Christ. But you need to learn to read. And, and what I thought about doing tonight, what I hope to do tonight, is just uh, the sermon is walk in, walk in the. And if you, we just take that phrase and go through the New Testament... There are several points here where uh, we are given instruction to walk in certain things. How, how many times as we're going through life we say, Oh, should I take this new job? Should I uh, do this? Should I... And we... Uh, there are many times where some little decision isn't so little anymore. Uh, I've often used this as an illustration in my own life, my own testimony. I was a 16-year-old boy in, in my home church there in Westminster, Maryland, and, and I went to my pastor and I said, uh, Preacher, I think I'm called to preach, but I'm not sure about it. What do I do? And, and he said, very simply, he said, you just keep serving right here in the church. And he said, you'll have it figured out before long. And uh, great advice. Just be faithful where you are and God will lead you where he wants you to be. Uh, and I've often added this part to the story. As soon as I walked out of his office, he gets Brother Nevins, the assistant pastor, and he said, I want you on that boy. 
I want him in the bus ministry. I want him in the children's church. I want him busy working in the church. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, that's, I often said I stepped onto a bus in rural Carroll County, Maryland, and ended up in New York City. Amen? Uh, that's how the Lord leads us. Just a step at a time. And little decisions, like going to my pastor and sharing what I felt was God's direction in my life, literally changed my entire life. Uh, a, a decision to go to Bible college instead of trying to join the Marine Corps. Big decision. And yet, when I was in Bible college, I met people that have changed my entire life. And I will say this, Bible college was not fun for me. Uh, I did not have a college like Heartland to go to. Uh, The college I went to was in transition. Only they didn't know it and I didn't know it. Things were changing over the next... um, Let's see, I graduated in 86. Uh, Brother Jason Gaddis and Brother Hiram Davis were there. And they graduated in 1994, eight years behind me. And the transition was in full swing. Worldliness was now in. Separation and holy living was out. Uh, Contemporary Christian music was in. The King James Bible was out. Uh, And and now everything has gone so far that they won't even have a chapel service without having a rock band there to warm everybody up. Uh, and when I was a student, they actually spent a whole week chapel every day teaching against the evils of the very music they play in every service today. The only difference was the music they were teaching against had bad words. Same music, their music has good words. Not really. Um, you can't mix the world and with the gospel and have anything. Uh, Some of you remember Brother Carson Hall. He got out a glass of water. Uh, It was the old pulpit. And he started dropping pocket lint in there and his keys and everything and said, who wants a drink of water? He said, you know, it doesn't take a lot of dirt to make the water undrinkable. In fact, the truth of the matter is, it's the unseen things that will get you. The little amoebas and all of those things. You have to have a microscope to see them, but boy, they, they can make you sick. And in fact... It's one of the leading causes of death in this world is uh, amoebic and uh, bacterial infections that are transmitted by simple glass of water. Uh, I'm glad we have good water here. Amen. And so what we want to do is we want to follow this phrase. And I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 12, and then we're just going to pick up the context. Verse 12 says, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Now here's what Paul is doing as he's writing the Roman church. He starts at the very beginning, and a lot of people get tied up in this phrase to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And they want to say that unless you take the gospel to Jewish people first, you can't take it to Gentile people. 
But if you go down to chapter 2, it says anguish and tribulation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so if we keep it in context, what, what we have going on here is simply the time line of the gospel. The gospel was to the Jew first, then to the Greek. All of Jesus' disciples were Jews. I uh, met a crazy guy on visitation uh, a week ago. Uh, he goes, the Old Testament's Jewish, the New Testament's Greek. wonder where he heard that, Miss Frida. And I said, no, the New Testament was all written by Jews. No, 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 Greeks, Greeks, Greeks. And I said, you know, there's no use arguing with that kind of ignorance. It just doesn't work. Uh, our Bible's a Jewish book. Every part of it is Jewish. Every author was Jewish. Some people want to make Dr. Luke uh, a Gentile, but there's no evidence that he was Gentile. God gave his word to the Jewish people. And we follow in the faith that was established by Abraham. And he, we go down here to... To, to verse 16 of this same passage, Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. You see, God has never abandoned the Jewish people, nor will he ever abandon the Jewish people. But if a Jewish person is alive today, they got to get saved exactly the same way you do. they got to get saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only message that we have. And the Jewish people many times struggle with that. Why? Because centuries of training has gone into the fact of trying to make a difference between what Jesus taught and what the Bible teaches. Now, of course, you can't do that honestly because everything Jesus taught is the Bible. One step after another. And what happened was those Jewish believers, of which all the apostles were, and many of the uh, preachers in the early church, the Jewish community who refused to accept Jesus redefined the word Jew and said, you're not a Jew anymore. And so uh, they had no, no choice but to basically join the Gentile world. And now we have this great big huge chasm and we shouldn't. We follow in the steps of faith of our father Abraham. All you have to do is believe God's Word. You know, it's not complicated. God's Word says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says that in the New Testament. says that in the Old Testament. You read through there, if you want to understand one thing about your Bible from cover to cover, is no matter what the physical circumstances when Adam and Eve lived in the garden and everything was pure and everything was clean and they were the only people there... They still sinned, didn't they? They sinned in Noah's day till God sent a flood. 
You can walk through history. We now have the entire revelation of God written and codified, put in a book that I can hold in my hands. I have several different copies of it on my cell phone, which is an amazing thing. I can just... If I'm reading different parts of the Bible, I can have different programs where I'm reading it uh, different places so I don't lose my place. Better than bookmarks. I mean, it's just amazing what we can do today. And yet, are we any more obedient today than they were in the biblical record? Now, people are people. But what we're trying to do is walk in the steps of faith. Now, one of the things about that is it's not by your works. I love this illustration. Uh, I think of it every time just about. Uh, You've probably heard me tell the story before. How many remember Hurricane Agnes in 1972? Uh, came up the East Coast and just destroyed everything. And then that winter, we got the first three-foot snowstorm that I can remember. And uh, in Maryland, when you get over an inch of snow, they close all the schools, all the highways. I mean, it's crazy down there. If they forecast two inches of snow you can know that all the shelves and all the stores are going to be bare in four hours. Uh, People are stocking up for the huge snowstorm that's about to hit. I mean, uh, they talk about south of the Mason-Dixon line. You would think these people lived in Florida or something. I mean, they're just crazy. At least it was that way. We got three foot of snow. Nothing moved for three days. Everything was shut down. The only guys that were moving were the ones that had snowmobiles. And, uh, and my dad went out and started digging out the dogs so she didn't starve to death. And three foot of snow back in 1972 was right about here. Now, it wouldn't be there today, but I mean, it was incredible. But you know what? I wasn't getting anywhere unless somebody had been there first. And I found out that I could follow my daddy's footprints wherever he had been. The only problem was he didn't shorten his stride. Boy, I mean, it was, it was effort from one hole in the snowbank to the next. But it was worth it because I could go anywhere I want. And, you know, we stop and we think about that. Why should we ask Jesus to shorten the steps of faith so they're easier for us instead of asking him to increase our faith so we can follow him? You see, that's what this passage is talking about. It's following in the footsteps of faith. I praise God. I don't have to worry about what Abraham did. Having a child at a hundred years old, that doesn't appeal to me. Now, I'm thankful for the 12 that we already have had, and I'm also thankful that it looks like this thing is pretty well ended, and we're just praying that that will enjoy the grandbabies, amen, Uh, as they come along. But listen, 
What did Abraham and Sarah have to believe to receive that gift? And then God tells him to take Isaac when he's a teenager, 15, 17 years old, up to the top of a mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. I mean, that makes no sense at all. In fact, if God had, had, uh, would come to us today, we would say, listen, that's not in the Bible. This can't be of God. That's why God's not going to tell you to do that. He told Abraham to do that because he wanted to paint a picture for his friend to understand what God would do to save us. Abraham said, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And it was. Because the other name for Mount Moriah is a name that we all know well, Mount Calvary. You see, walking in the steps of faith is not a complicated thing. But if you're going to walk in the steps, you can't skip steps. You got to follow them one at a time. And you know, that takes a lot of pressure off. Because I don't need to worry about what's going to happen 10 years from now. What I need to do is make sure if I'm in God's will today, I have the best opportunity to be in God's will tomorrow. It's just that simple. You say, well, I I don't know if I can handle... Well, don't worry about what's going to happen ten years from now. I love the story of the old preacher, Harold Seitler. He was sick and in the hospital, and another friend came in to see him. And he said, you know something, brother? He said, you know how we've always preached that when it comes time to die, that you'll never be afraid, and God's grace is sufficient, and... And uh, the preacher's looking at him and saying, yeah, yeah. And he says, he says, I'm afraid, brother. And uh, the other preacher said, Dr. Seidler, what are you saying? He said, you misunderstand me. I'm not going to die because if I were, I'd have a peace about it. I don't, so I'm going to get better. And he did. See, why can't, why can't we look at life that way? It's because, again, I hope you don't mind, this is just the theme that's running through my heart right now, how conditioned we are to think about godly things the way the world thinks about them. That's what this whole election thing was about. How many of you were depressed right up until 2.30 Wednesday morning on the night of the election? I mean, I was. Uh, I thought there's no way. It just, it had to be a slam dunk for Hillary. Woke up the next morning. She lost. Wow! This is good! What's that song the munchkins sing? No. (laughs) Some of you know that. And we wish no ill will to any person. But I, I was just... Conditioned. You know what? We want to walk in the steps of faith. Let's not be conditioned by the world. Now, please, don't remember only that song and that from the sermon tonight. All right? Don't. Uh, I, I, 
anyway, let's move on. Abraham is the father of all that are faithful. We need to walk in the steps of faith. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And it's amazing how these things are just put in order because verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now we're going to go back and pick up the context here in a minute. Hey, we're supposed to follow in the steps of Abraham, in the steps of the faith of Abraham, just simply believing what God said in His Word. But we still have to walk in this life. In fact, that's one of the greatest uh, criticisms that I have heard in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah, you, everything you say is good, but you don't have to live in the real world. Well, wait a minute. Oh, yes, I do. I live in the same world you do. Uh, but as believers in Christ is following in the footsteps of Abraham, we ought to have a different approach. We ought to have a different attitude. We ought to have a different understanding. You see, we can get all excited because Trump won, but let me tell you, that's not the answer for this country. He's not going to change everything. There's people jumping up and down because Fidel Castro's dead. Let me tell you, not one person in prison in Cuba has been set free since he died. Not one law has changed in Cuba and I'll, I'll say something political. I am so grieved at what the government of the United States has done in giving credence to these thugs and murderers and uh, the Castro brothers. Not one good thing has happened or will happen because Fidel Castro died. Because the same thugs that were in control yesterday are still in control today and we're helping them. I'll tell you, don't get excited about all of those things. You can, but here's what you need to get excited about. The weapons of our warfare are not that which you can see. The battle we fight is not after the flesh. I am so glad that I don't have to be like some of these people. I heard the story of a man, Brother Clayton told me about him, he He retired from everything and bought him a ranch way out in the middle of Wyoming somewhere in the northwest uh, up there. Hundreds of acres. And and he built a lake out in the middle of this thing. And uh, he had it all worked out that if the atomic uh, war happened, he's going to get on a rowboat and get out in the middle of that lake. And he had a little splasher that he had built so that he could cover himself up with the tarp and splash water out of the lake to rinse the radioactivity off of the tarp so that he could survive. Now, could you imagine the thought process that went into that? And, and it, it, actually, don't laugh. It, was, it, it, it is a scientifically logical and helpful thing. But... What do you have to give up 
so that you can be the only one that's safe. Do you really want to star in a movie where you're the only living person on earth? And and it's not going to happen that way. The Bible's already said so. We're not fighting a physical war. The reason there is so much evil and corruption on our government is because the people in this country are no longer held by the morals of this book called the Bible. You take the Ten Commandments off the wall and then wonder why people think it's okay to murder and commit adultery and lie and covet and steal and take the name of the Lord God in vain and invent their own gods and worship their own gods and worship themselves and not honor their father and their mother. Listen, we're not going to win the battle out there against the world until we win the battle in here against our own hearts and minds. That's why the next verse is casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Just because you did right today, no guarantee you're going to do right tomorrow. It's a battle. You've got to fight. You know, there used to be enough people in this country that were influenced by what this book says that they outlawed the sale of alcoholic beverage in the entire nation, a constitutional amendment. Boy, it got quiet. Now, not everybody who believed that way was a Christian, but let me tell you, everybody was influenced by this book. Even the great agnostic preacher, Harry Emerson Fosdick, whether he would admit it or not, was influenced by what was in this book of what was right and what was wrong. And that's why he preached. He he didn't use one Bible verse, but every bit of logic he used was based on a Bible verse. He just was so dishonest about it, he couldn't admit it. And you see, the Bible says we must walk in this life, but we don't have to deal with it the same way the unsaved people do. Amen? We've got to walk in the faith, in the steps of the faith that belongs to Abraham. We must walk in this life, but our fight is not in this life. Galatians chapter 5, a passage that we're all familiar with, preached through it many times, the fruit of the Spirit, but we start there in verse 16. It says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 25 says, For if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know, one of the things that I was taught when I took that asbestos class this year was you can walk in an atmosphere where asbestos particles are going everywhere if you have on the proper protection. And you can protect the public at large as long as you have the proper protection in place. You see, 
If you take your respirator off to get a drink of soda or something in an asbestos environment, what have you just done? You just breathed in all kinds of asbestos fibers and all of these things and you've negated the whole purpose. How many times in our service for Christ do we get into a point of pressure where we just feel like we've got to do something wrong? That's how the devil likes to tempt you. If you walk in the Spirit, and I found out one thing. I don't think I could ever be an asbestos worker because I can't keep that stupid mask on all day. Uh, it just doesn't work uh, uh, for me. I can't breathe. And uh, But that's how we fight walking in the Spirit, isn't it? It's uncomfortable. It, it cramps our style. I can't work with the same airflow through a respirator that I can... By the way, those little dust masks, they let lots of air in. You put on a HEPA respirator and it cuts your air supply down 30 or 40%. You can sit there and breathe as hard as you want. You're just not sucking in the air. You know why? Because you got to pull it through the filter first. And it takes a lot of discipline. It feels claustrophobic. feels like you're going to pass out and you're just sitting there going, I can't take this. Well, stop and think what happens if you take the mask off. What happens when we get under pressure in the world and we stop walking in the Spirit? We're giving in to the lust of the flesh. That's what we're doing. You see... You've got to walk in the steps of faith. You still have to walk in this world, but it's not the same approach. Here's the approach. It's walking in the Spirit. Just think if you could unzip a jumpsuit that covered everything with a respirator and everything built into it, hood, completely sealed. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you. If you only walk in the Spirit. They gave us these, uh, I don't know how to call in name would be a nice word for them, coveralls. He said, now you've got to tape them up around your boots and you've got to do this. And the first time I sat down, I felt the coveralls pulled tight and I stretched just a little bit and they let loose, shredded them right down the middle. Uh, garbage. And uh, the guy said, no, no, you're not supposed to do that. I said, how about you find a pair that fits? Uh, But we struggle against the Spirit, don't we? And we don't have time tonight, but the fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit produces when we stop trying to make the Spirit work for us. So that's a problem. If you want to know, one of the major problems with all the entire charismatic movement type thing is the Holy Spirit becomes the, uh, the rolling casino. Uh, if you can just manipulate the Spirit to do the things you want, you're going to have everything you want. In fact, uh, they call themselves deliverance. We, we call them in order to help understand, people understand what they really believe. Name it and claim it. And some of the preachers actually use that phrase. You name it and claim it and God will give it to you. Well, that turns God into a slot machine now, doesn't it? 
and you just pull the handle and you're going to get a new car and you're going to get a fur coat and you're going to get a, uh, the, the uh, television network that you want and you're going to have a Christian amusement park and people built all these things. Is that really what God wants? Uh, let's go back. You see, if I walk in the faith of Abraham, I'm believing what God's Word says. So where is my business primarily concerned as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ today according to the Bible? Right here in church. Can't go anywhere else. Faith demands church. That means you've got to put up with your preacher. Amen? And the more you pray for him, the easier he'll be to put up with. I promise you. Not because God's going to necessarily change your preacher, but he'll, he'll work on our attitude so that we work together. Amen? And we have to walk in this light, but we approach it. Now, we get to this next one here in Ephesians chapter 4. This is the negative, and then we got one more positive, and I think I can be done before 7 here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Now, we don't have to spend a lot of time explaining what the vanity of your mind is. It's just simply saying, and, and I've heard people say this, well, I know what the Bible says, but that doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's time for you to get your sense rearranged. Amen? You see, that's the way the world does things. Well, I can't do anything that doesn't make sense to me that I don't understand. Well, then you better curl up in the fetal position and get admitted to a padded cell because there's an awful lot that goes on every day that you don't understand. There's not a one of us in here, there's not a scientist in the world that can truly define what light does. But I'm sure glad I get to use it. Amen? You can take light and burn a hole in a ship's engine at thousands of yards. They're talking about taking lasers and putting them in space that will shoot down satellites uh, thousands of miles across empty space. It's amazing what you can do with light. And yet no one dies when we turn on the light switch in the auditorium. How can it be the same? Well, it is. It's just behaving differently. You don't have to understand things. Faith is the ability to tell yourself, I'll just trust God instead of understanding Him. Amen? And guess what? You'll be so much happier because the whole world won't depend on you anymore. You ever been in a situation where you just felt like the whole world was resting on your shoulders? If you didn't make... Anytime you get there, you need to know something. You're not where God intended you to be. It's not on His shoulders. People say, 
How do you know what to preach? I had so many sermons all these years. Oh, I just go through and repeat. No, I don't. I was really tempted to tonight. It's been a pressing week. And, and, and no, Lord, you just give me something. And this is what he gave me. You see, we can't walk in the vanity of our own mind. Don't make God a servant of your thought process. Instead, allow God's Word to dictate your thought process. That's what Abraham did in Genesis 22 when God showed up and said, Offer Isaac. Amen? Did that make sense? Did that have any direction? Did, did God ever do anything before in the Bible that would give Abraham any clue that he would want Isaac offered as a sacrifice? No. This thing came out of the blue. It was so crazy that Abraham just said, I'm going to do what God says because he said so. And gave us the greatest picture in all the scriptures of how Jesus, God's son, would die in our place. Amen? There's one more. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1 and we'll be done. 1 John chapter 1. got the revelation, you got too far. First John 1, verse 7. It says, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sins. You know, there's a lot of people out there that say we should have a lot of answers to a lot of questions. And I used to be one of those ones that, man, I studied all that stuff about evolution because I wanted to answer the questions. You know, I've never found one person who believed in evolution that cared one lick about honest science because they want to believe in evolution because they don't want to believe in God. So don't worry about answering all those questions. Say, hey, wait a minute. You know what? I can't answer all your science questions, but will you answer me this one question? What do you do with your personal sin? Will you answer me that question? And most of them will say, well, I don't have any sin. Oh, well, you just added to it now, didn't you? There is no honest person that can look themselves in the face and not know the wicked things that they are privy to in their own heart. Walk in the light. You know, that light led me to an old rugged cross where Jesus paid the price for my sins and then it led me to an empty tomb because He is risen. I finally found that article on the tomb of Jesus they were trying to open. Big fraud, nothing there. You know, the world always comes out with these things, trying to take our attention off this book called the Bible. When I was a kid, they found Noah's Ark. 
It was there. They carbon dated the wood and it was big enough to be the ark and it was and the Turkish government said you can't go look at it. And then a big earthquake came and broke it in half and so nobody knows where anything is today. And I'm so heartbroken. We were this close to proving Noah's ark. You've got to be kidding me. Honestly, truly, I don't need to find Noah's ark to know it existed because the Bible said so. And no one is going to believe about Noah's Ark until they first believe about their own sin. If you can believe about your own sin, Noah's Ark isn't that big of a deal. Amen? That's what it means to walk in the light. Because what does the light do? It shows me my sinfulness, doesn't it? But when I see my sinfulness, then I know where to go to get it fixed. That's why the next verse says, verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Walk in the steps of faith that belong to Abraham. Just believe God's Word because it's God's Word. You've got to walk in this world in which we live. We're not to live in monasteries. We're not to retreat from the world. What we're supposed to do is fight the battle here. And it will influence what happens out there. Amen? You know what? My mind keeps coming back and saying, Yeah, but that doesn't make sense. That's okay. You just shut up for a little while and God will make sense out of the whole thing. Amen? you got to tell yourself that every, every once in a while. Don't listen to yourself. That's the vanity of your own mind. Listen to the Word of God. And if you get into a point to where you're just not sure where it is, follow the light. How many of you remember the story of the three guys, World War II? Uh, They were in basic training out in Hawaii, and they decided to go into a cave. They have all these lava caves in there. And they got in there and they got lost. There's three of them together. And they began to panic. And then the flashlight got dropped down a hole and they were in total darkness. They didn't know how far they were underground. They didn't know how to get out. They were on their hands and knees to keep from falling into the crevices that sometimes dropped hundreds of feet with no warning at all. And they didn't have any supplies with them at all. And one of the guys finally started breaking down under the strain. The other guy literally, just like the movies, had to pick him up and slap him around a little bit and said, you're not going to kill us all. You're going to follow us and you're going to do what you said. And they would stop and sleep when when they felt that night came. And as they began inching through those dark corridors with nothing, no senses whatsoever, 
all of a sudden it started heating up and getting hotter. And they said, we've, we've got to be getting closer to where the lava is. Let's go the other way. And they missed the pathway that they were on because all of a sudden it started having an incline that they didn't remember. And they said they saw a prick of light that looked just like a pinhead. They started moving toward it. And they found themselves hundreds of feet up on the side of a mountain, breathing fresh air again. And looked over, and there were some of their uh, patriots, and they said, oh man, we're absent without leave. They felt like they had been in the ground for three days. And they called to them, what are you doing over there? And finally got back together and found out they had been underground for less than five hours. But they had stopped three times and slept as if it were the middle of the night because they had no sensory perception all around. They found that little prick of light. And all three of them came out of the ground. And other than the psychological damage, nothing happened to them. You know what? Walk in the light. God will give you enough to follow His Word. Tonight's message is walk in. Walk in the footsteps of faith. Walk in the flesh, but don't war after the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Amen? Walk not in the vanity of your own mind. Walk in the light. Some amazing stuff. Just following that little phrase through the New Testament. You ought to try it sometime at home. It's great. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what's in it. Lord, we thank you for the challenges that are there. And Lord, I pray that during this week, especially as we think of the missions conference coming up, that we would walk in the steps that you would have us to be in. And Lord... We just ask that during this moment here, as we grow quiet, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in our hearts and in our lives. Before we finish this prayer, we'll just give you an opportunity to slip out, spend some time at the altar if you need it. Pray right there in your seat if you like, and then we'll get into our regular prayer time.